following program contains views that are not those of WVTC, iNetworks Communications, their subsidiaries, affiliates or financial supporters. Hey y'all, welcome to the Declaring War segment by the RSVP Show, where we get to the root of things and apply the Word of God to every aspect of our lives. Worship, application, and read is how we declare war upon the enemy and bring the light of God and his love for us into every atmosphere. Join your host, author, and singer-songwriter, April D. Metzler, as she and a few special guests dive deep into scripture and demonstrate the Bible in action through their testimonies. April is passionate about understanding the heart behind every subject and helping you pursue a relationship with God for a victorious life every day. Are you ready for real, candid, and vulnerable conversations about God, His Word, and His love for you? Grab your Bible, pen, and study pad, and let's get it. Hello, 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 and welcome to another broadcast of the RSVP show. I am your host, getting this show set up and ready to rock and roll for you here on WVTC Radio and on YouTube and on Facebook and on Instagram and everywhere that this thing will push out to for sure. I'm broadcasting everywhere that technology will allow me to do within the confines of means that I can, right? Because we're talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're talking about salvation. We're talking about redemption. We're talking about glory for the kingdom of God. So, of course, it's, it's wherever I can get on. I'm going to make sure to get on, right? So, I thank you for joining this broadcast. We are in the book of Galatians, the letter to the church at Galatia. And this is, of course, um, something that we have dived into over the last few weeks. We've got Galatians 1, 2, and 3 gone through right over the airwaves. If you guys have joined on the replay, thank you so much. If you joined on the live broadcast, like right now, but last week or the week before or the week before, thank you so much. I appreciate your time commitment to study the word of God and read it. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And at the school that I go to right now, they extend the hearing because it's important to hear it over and over and over again, right? Until it gets settled in your heart and becomes a part of you. And so that's part of how the word of God is a living word of God. It literally becomes a part of your character, a part of your principles, just a part of the foundation on which you stand when you go through the world in your day-to-day -day walk. And so glory to God, we just want to hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it. And every time that we hear it, it builds up our faith. It builds up our belief structure. It builds up our character and our foundation. And before you know it, we're able to endure anything that comes against us. We can just stand and do it all we could possibly do, continue to stand and stand firmly on the word of God. And so I don't know why I went down that rabbit trail a little bit, but it was a good trail, wasn't it? All right. So we're going to be diving into Galatians 4. I hope that that gave you plenty of time to go get your Bible if you don't have it. Maybe a pencil or a pen and a study pad so that you can take some notes to reflect on later in your time with God. And as we read this word, I can assure you that something is going to speak to your heart. Something's going to stick out. Something's going to be able to be meditated on day and night. And that's what we are to do. You know, we hear this word, we consider it, we think about it, and we mull it over until it makes sense and applies in our day to day. And so uh, you'll be amazed at what just one scripture, the power of one scripture can do if you were to implement it in your day to day, um, especially when it glorifies God. So, all right, you guys. You know the drill, hopefully by now. I know this show's new to WVTZ Radio, but we're going to start this off, kick it off with some prayer. And uh, if you're driving, please do not bow your heads. 
Um, I, I mean, I'll, I'll pray for your protection and provision and healing and all of that, knowing that God's full well and able to do that and will do so and has done so at the point of the cross. Glory to God. But we don't want to test our God by bowing our heads and driving simultaneously. It's just a bad idea. So if you will. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your love. We thank you for your guidance and your teaching through the Holy Spirit. We lean into you and not unto our own understanding. We cast our cares in this moment all to you. Whatever the day has held, Father, you know it all. And you know what's best for us in any given day, season, year, hour, minute by minute even. And so we trust in you with all of our heart, Father, with all of these things. And we ask that you lead us through the paths that you will have us on. And if there is a path that isn't somewhere where we're supposed to be right now, God, we just ask that the door be slammed shut right now in the name of Jesus. We know that when we come to you in the name of Jesus, Jesus literally promises us, your son promised us to do it so that it will glorify you. And so we stand firmly on that, knowing that these things that we ask in the name of Jesus are something that will come to pass there in accordance with your will and your way. God, you don't want us off that path. So we can ask that doors be slammed shut right now, and they will be because it's not your path. And so we want the goodness of God and we praise you for the blessing of opportunity to see the goodness of God in the land of the living now. And so we ask that an abundance of everybody that tunes into this broadcast, whether it's live or on the replay, an abundance of the peace of God be upon them and in their days, covering them, protecting them, guarding their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus as they they deal with the things of this world that, that attempt to come against them, attempt to pull them off of that path and attempt to lead them elsewhere. God, I ask for light to expose the darkness, light that will allow them to discern properly everything that is going on. They'll know if it's truth or a lie. They'll know if it's the right way or a really wrong way to be going. They'll know immediately there will not be any deception because your light says that nothing that is hidden in the darkness can remain hidden once it's exposed to that light, the light of truth, the light of the Lord. You are the father of lights and we give you all honor and glory. We praise your name and thank you because we know that you hear our prayers and we know that you move on our behalf and you move things on our behalf for our good. You cause all the things that are meant for our harm to turn to the good of you, your definition of good, what you have for us as we lean into you and as we love you and we seek you diligently, we know that these things will come to pass. We seek you first. We seek you first. We seek the kingdom of God and your righteousness first and then the rest of these things will work themselves out and we lean into that rest that knowledge and understanding that you love us through your son christ jesus you have already done everything that we would ever need for provision in this world and it's it is ours as children of god and so we thank you father we call you abba father we thank you thank you and thank you again and we bless your name in the name of jesus Amen. All right, you guys. You ready for this scripture? Ready to go? Ready to get this going? Galatians 4. I'm reading out of the NASB translation study Bible that I have. Seen many, many years of pages being turned one after the other, right? Going back and forth, trying to find out where that says that and cross-reference and move over here. Um, but if you're just now cracking your Bible open, that's okay, too. Just give it time. Repetition. We are to practice these things, right? We practice them. We see others demonstrate it, and then we practice them ourselves. And we learn and we grow every day. And there's no end to the growth that is in God, the learning that is in God, because his knowledge surpasses all understanding. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. They're like higher, higher, higher. So that's what he's calling us to is hire you guys. So I encourage you to get in the word of God. 
so that you can be drawn higher. All right. So verse one says, now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he, he is owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. So also, we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son, namely Jesus, right, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So we're going to take a moment here and, and look over this for a second. Let's let's consider this, okay? This is what it looks like to take a moment while you're reading and consider things. And if you're new to this, that's okay. I don't know who I'm talking to, but it'll make sense eventually. Some of this stuff is deeper stuff, but on the, it's also able to be easily understood. And Paul is talking talking to like really just basic terms here. In general, as a child of a parent, if that parent grows old and, and passes on, he leaves what he had in his possession to the child, right? R really just basic stuff here. And so he's talking about inheritance. And as a child, though, you don't really have any, you know, ground to claim those things yet, right? It takes the passing on, it takes the death, and then you receive that which used to belong to your parent. It now belongs to you. And sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's pretty chaotic. You know, who, who knows? You know, there's some people out there that have stored up stuff for years and years and years. And all of the material things that you inherit are boxes upon boxes upon boxes of all sorts of kinds of stuff um, that you have to go through. And even they, when they were living, had no clue what was in those boxes, right? So you'll be surprised if you get that. But it's much like our relationship with God, though. Funny enough. Um, I wasn't even going to go this route, but as I was talking, this came up. So when we, we become children of God, right? We accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And we step into that relationship that Jesus connects us back to the Father in, right? So we are reconciled back to God. We come back into right relationship with the Heavenly Father through Jesus and what he achieved on the cross where he conquered death in the grave and then was risen up and seated at the right hand of the Father, right? The right of the throne of the Father God, right? And so we find that when we step into that relationship, a lot of it is unknown. So Jesus died. And then all of a sudden we had this inheritance that was given to us and we were left with, right? And as an heir to this throne, if you will, some of us are walking into this like, I have no idea what just happened. I don't even know what these boxes that were left for me have in them. And so it takes us that time investment to look through the boxes. And that's what he left us is the word of God. And so in this particular analogy, your boxes that you would sift through to figure out what the contents are or open them up and look inside are the books that are found within the Bible itself. And in this instance, we're reading a letter that was in the box that was left to you as your inheritance. And so we're got, we're going into this, you know, pretty basic stuff here, you know, and, and so it talks about the, you know, the fullness of time. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, 
So we know now these things have already been established, right? Before they were sort of just a, a shadow. There was still bondage. You know, people were operating in a simple nature. And then all of the culmination of events happened that the prophets talked about in the Old Testament. You can look at the historical accounts and stuff later. But it basically brought about this appointed time for all these things to come together and the world to be basically redeemed through the blood of Christ. And the offer is up to you, you know, whether you receive it. And once you do receive it, then you got to get to know all of the facets of what you received, right? And if you just get stuck at the reception part and you never go to your dad's house, your father's house, right? And check and see what was left for you, um, then you're just, you're just there. I mean, you could be, there could be a document that has some type of a savings investment that your dad invested in over the years that was millions and millions of dollars of value just sitting there in a box because you haven't taken that time to go to his house and spend that quality time looking through the boxes, right? And so I encourage you <laughs> to open your box and see what's inside. And for all the radio audience and podcast audience, I just lifted up my Bible on the camera to show them that that was the box. So when we're diving into this, though, it, it does talk a, a little bit about Jesus's um, coming into being born of a woman and coming into the world under the, the precepts of the laws that were established. And so that he could fulfill the law and break that bondage because he is, if you don't know anything about Jesus's story, he literally walks, walks the walk and talks the talk all the way through and makes sure to not break any laws in that perfect peace that God bestowed on him. He, he had beyond abundant measure of grace given to him through his father because he already knew his relationship with the father, right? He was directly connected and never strayed away from the father and stayed in full alignment, abiding. We'll get to some of that, I'm sure, in other chapters and stuff. But we're going to move on, though. And it, it literally says, like, through what Jesus did, though, we are now adopted into the kingdom of God as his children. And we have certain inalienable rights. They are an inherent rights. They come to us by nature. They are not allowed to be taken away by anyone. And they, um, they literally establish authority and there's precedence for it too. And so we are no longer to be a slave to anything of this world um, that would cause us to draw away from the, our rightful place in the kingdom of God, which is a child of God. And so that's what this speaks to here. And so we move on to verse eight and it says fears for the church. However, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by nature are no gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that perhaps I have labored over you in vain. I beg of you, brethren, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You have done me no wrong, but you know that it was because of a bodily illness that I preached the gospel to you the first time. And that which was a trial to you in my bodily condition, you did not despise or loathe, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself, where then where then is that sense of blessing you had? 
for I bear you witness that, if possible, you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. So have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? They eagerly, eagerly seek you, not commendably, but they wish to shut you out so that you will seek them. But it is good always to be eagerly sought in a commendable manner, and not only when I am present with you. My children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you, but I could wish to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. So this is um, an illustration of a leader being torn. He's he's sitting here on one hand witnessing these false brethren coming in and taking over the church body and leading them astray and being wolves in sheep's clothing, basically. And he is seeing it, but then he's also familiar with the understanding that they weren't like this. So he's seen them start off as before Jesus, then accept Jesus, and then walking and abiding with Jesus. And now they're like basically turning away or tempted to turn away. Some of them have already turned away and they're, they're getting into the weeds with what they believe. And so he He's going back and forth basically throughout this time, addressing them and expressing his concern in a way that is loving, but necessary in the confrontation realm. Right. And so he's not attacking them. He's not accusing them. He's not being hateful in the way that he addresses this by any means. He's not allowing any type of stumbling block to come in and cause them to too straight even further or say, I ain't messing with this guy. This guy is hateful. He's like not able to even speak in love. I mean, this, this truth is like delivered in a jerk kind of way, right? No, Paul wasn't doing that. And so he was kind and considerate. And it looked as if he was walking the people that he was talking to in this moment, walking them through the reasoning process. I've got DZ coming in from Nigeria. Hey, brother, blessings to you, too. And David Warren, who is here in Broken Arrow, but soon will be going into a completely different location to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ and to help build churches and be awesome for the kingdom of God. Thank you so much for tuning in, brother. Um, but we're diving into, let's move on here a little bit more through this, this storyline. But really, it's it's just... When we address brothers and sisters in Christ who have a relationship with God through Jesus, um, it's wise to carefully consider your words. We don't want to, one, lose, uh, lose them to the elemental things, as Paul calls them, but uh, push them even further away. We don't want to break the bond of peace or the unity of the spirit because we're called to do the opposite. We're supposed to maintain that. Um, so what does it look like to consider carefully how we address a situation, do so in a way that promotes unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, as well as strengthens, edifies, and corrects possibly admonishing a little bit too, challenging them to, to rise above these circumstances that they find themselves in that are tempting them to not focus on God, right? And help just gently realign them. Because these, these church members weren't exactly like way off base. You know, they were just being misguided. And so there's a big difference on how you address those that are misguiding others and then also how you address the ones that basically got suckered into believing something that was false, right? Um, so there's a, a wisdom that needs to be involved in that decision-making process on how to address it if you're a leader. And so there's a slow to speak, you know, slow to become angry, quick to listen. 
how else is, is Paul able to even pull them through the weeds if he doesn't even know what the weeds are? And he just assumes that it was this or that. Every heart is different and every heart is impacted differently. Um, your experience is nothing like my experience. And we could have actually been in the same exact situation, witnessing the same exact event and still have different takeaways based on our life experience that we bring out of that shared environment. And so we want to make sure that, again, we think about these things, consider them prayerfully and seek the guidance of our Father, God, through the Holy Spirit and leaning not onto our own understanding in anything, especially as leaders. And so we <laughs> seek sound counsel from the counselor, right? He was sent here for a reason, sealed as a guarantee of the inheritance we just talked about, right? And so it would be hoove us. I like that word. I've used it a couple times on a few broadcasts. Behoove us. It's a little old school, old English stuff, but um, it would be in our best interest to... <laughs> to go to the father, especially in matters of this. And I can assure you, I don't know where the scripture is exactly, but I cannot see based upon the character that is demonstrated through the scriptures, Paul not going to the father and praying over these matters before he addressed it in writing. Right. So remember though, once you write it down, once you speak it out, once you say anything about it out loud, to anybody, text, call, write, post, whatever, it's out there and the damage is done. So how about we be slow to share, post, text, all that stuff too. Add that to the slow to speak part. And definitely on the slow to become angry. Don't post while you're angry. Um... I don't know who needs to hear that, but somebody does. Don't do that. Just don't do it. Um, take a step back. Give yourself time to evaluate things without your feelings involved. And then seek sound counsel in these matters. I can assure you the moment that you start praising the Father and thanking Him and entering into that prayer time with Him because He says that we enter his courts and his gates with thanksgiving and praise, right? So our first time that we submit our flesh to prayer and thanksgiving, that, that right there is going to just clean out all that nonsense. Be thankful that you have a phone to see the drama apparently that you ran into <laughs> that you were thinking about addressing when you're mad. Be thankful that you have a way to contact other people as you need to contact them. You know, meditate on the, the part that God has provided finances for the phone plan that you're on currently and the data that you are using. Um, be thankful that he has provided you a job to have the finances to afford the phone. And the more and more that you acknowledge the father, the straighter your path is going to be. So. Uh, we go on, and apparently Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 is our root foundational scripture in this teaching tonight. Um, we're going to go on and read about the two covenants, though. So he expresses his concerns. He weighs the differences between what he has witnessed by these brethren of this church, and he exhorts them to basically uh, seek to... Walk in a manner worthy of the calling, right? And so it, it is good always to be eagerly sought in a commendable way. Well, you know, people seek you out because of what you demonstrate. So are they seeking you out for kindness, goodness, love, peace, patience, gentleness, self-control? Mm. Anyways, moving on. If you want to go check all of those out, actually, those will be 
next week. Galatians 5. Fruits of the uh, fruit, sorry, fruit of the spirit. It's a full thing. It's the whole shebang. All right, verse 21, two covenants. It says, he says, tell me, you who want to be under law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondwoman and one by the free woman. But the son by the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and the son by the free woman through the promise. This is allegorically speaking, for these women are two covenants. So he's breaking this down. I'm just using this as an example, he says, right? I'm using it in a way that makes sense to you because you know about how there was this whole issue with Abraham and Sarah not believing that they were going to conceive. And then these things where they were trying to work things out on their own, they heard the promise, but they decided they were going to make the promise happen through their own strength and their own understanding. And so I don't know if it was necessarily a hundred percent unbelief because Abraham had a very close relationship with God. So he heard it, but I think that he was struggled with the temptation to not believe. And so was, so was Sarah, but they both laughed about the whole situation. Like, Oh my gosh, this is beyond us. We are ancient of days. No, we are old. What makes you think that we're going to be able to, you know, do this whole birth thing, you know? Um, but what ended up happening in order to resolve that, and I, I'm just going to go follow this rabbit trail, see where it goes. But what ended up happening as a result of this, if you haven't read Abraham and Sarah's story, um, and they had their names changed too. So that, um, it's that's a whole other, that's a whole other teaching. I'm not going to go that route. But um, they took time away from that immediate situation, obviously, and considered God's faithfulness and his provision every step of the way since he told Abraham to go. And they they went. They just picked up, took everything, and went, not knowing where they were going. But every step of the way of that journey of obedience, God provided, God provided, God provided, God provided, and just went on and on and on until they got to the point that they were at. And so Sarah, it, it illustrates in the Bible in that story that she she went away and she sat there and she's like considering all the ways that God had been faithful. And it literally says that she counted him faithful. And you can see that uh, cross reference in, I think, Hebrews 11, which is filled. It's a whole chapter full in the Bible with by faith examples and so if you want to really build up your faith and just get encouraged in the Lord and, and just uh, meditate on the faithfulness of the, the father, start in Hebrews 11. But for every by faith story, go find it in the Old Testament so that you can read the story in fullness. And you will be surprised at how encouraging to your heart that is, because if he will do it, he did it in here. And God is the same yesterday today and forever, right? For all time, he's the same. He doesn't change. And so if he did it here, he can do it for you. So um, let's go in through here though. So there, he's using an example and these are things that they should already know, right? And so they've been taught this, they've understood this and he's bringing it up so that they can hopefully get back into alignment see the error of their ways and understand that that we enter into this grace of Jesus Christ by faith. And so 24 says, this is allegorically speaking for these women are two covenants. They're symbolic of two covenants. One proceeding from Mount Sinai, bearing children who are to be slaves. She is Hagar. And now this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother. 
So he's painting this picture of countryside, basically, that they're familiar with. Don't get caught up on all of the intricate details here. But he's trying to speak to them at their level. It would be the same as me using an example about driving a car, you know, from one location to the next or something that you're familiar with on the road just to get the point across. He's teaching them, leading them slowly through the corn maze of weeds that they put themselves in. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, and, and getting them to the other side, to that clear path, you know, past all of that. And it's speaking to them in terms that they, they will grasp the depth of, right? And it says, but the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother, for it is written, Rejoice, barren woman who does not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For more numerous are the children of the desolate than of the one who has a husband. And so this is a, um, you can find this back in Isaiah chapter 54. Um, and starting in verse one, and it talks about that. And then, of course, you know, we'll go on. But there's a reason, you know, that uh, God calls us to things that seem like they're they're unachievable or um, impossible. You know, the reason behind that, one of many facets of that, there's a lot, actually. But one is to build us up on this, this faith in him, this trust in him. It's a relationship building exercise is what it amounts to. It's a trust building exercise, right? So it, it allows us to grow in our understanding of what all he is to us. He says to Moses, which is a really coined phrase that, you know, a lot of people um, quote when they're talking about the scriptures, especially Old Testament stuff. But he, Moses asks him, he's like, who am I supposed to say? Which, by the way, Moses was full of questions and excuses when he first took his assignment. Don't know who needs that. But if you're full of excuses before you take the assignment, but you still take the assignment, you're in good company. Moses achieved a lot. Um, through the grace that was given to him and the empowerment that was given to him through God, right? And so he was in that close relationship with God and that was his key to success in what he was called to do. And so the more and more we draw near to him, he draws near to us is what God says in James, uh, in the book of James. And it talks about, um, you know, that closeness, that closely knit relationship but my point with that, with sharing that, was that Moses asks him, who am I supposed to say sent me? And God literally says, I am. Like, tell them, I am sent you, because I am. Just, I am. I am. What does that even mean? Have you even meditated or thought about that? Like, taking the time to invest in just thinking about that all day long. While you're at work, while you're driving. While you're eating breakfast, while you're eating lunch, while you're eating dinner, invested a whole day reflecting on what God could possibly have encompassed with the statement, I am. That is who I am. I am. Like everything, right? And so I encourage you to meditate on that because it's a really good reflection of the many facets of what God is in our lives. And so it helps to build relationship. But when God actually calls us to things that are impossible or that seem like they're without, with not within our reach personally, yes, you know how to do certain aspects of it, but it's literally going to take more than just you. It would take like a massive team to get there or doors that you couldn't possibly open through just your networking connections you've made so far, um, or just in general, just what about grace? It would have to require God's grace or mercy in any given situation that he's called you to, or even 
What about forgiveness? I can assure you that those are those are things of God. They're not of they're not things of this world. And so it would be in and of itself forgiveness. Forgiveness is I would have I would be very cautious to say this, but it is a facet of being a child of God. We'll just say that. Because as you grow in the knowledge of him, you'll know that it's just a part of your existence. It says, in him, we live and move and have our being. If you want to do a really fun study challenge, tie in the references in scripture where it says, be or being with all of the in him or in Jesus or through Jesus or by Jesus references and reconcile those with I am statements. You'll be surprised what you find. It's going to be cool. Uh, maybe like a, an awakening. Yeah. Uh, awake, oh, sleeper type of thing, right? Verse 28 um, goes in and it says, and you brethren... He's still addressing them, right? He's still trying to get through to them in this capacity. And you, brethren, like Isaac, are children of promise. But as at that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. So it is now also. So he's saying you guys are children of the promise, but you're acting like children of the flesh and... You're persecuting the one who saved you, that you claimed as your Lord and Savior, that you accepted and believed upon as your Lord and Savior. Now you are persecuting them. And it's it's just a challenge at this point. He's like, this is this is how it how they were being. And you're walking a real fine line right now. You're like really on the other side of the fence. And if you stray even further than this, you, I don't know if you're going to be able to make it back because they didn't. Right. And verse 30 uh, says, but what does scripture say? And that's why I pause on that. I don't care what you have going on in your day to day. If you can't line it up with scripture, you don't need to be doing it. And it's not okay. It's not okay. Um, he literally could argue with them until the sun goes down, until Christmas gets here. You know, he could have argued and argued and argued. He could have thrown out all sorts of kinds of confrontational statements, you know, chiding, um, disciplining or attempting to discipline in a, uh, unkind way, you know, just um, I'm going to be giving you the hard truth because you won't listen otherwise. Um, but he didn't. He said, but what does the scripture say? So if anything, if someone is walking with God, then strays away a little bit going on their own direction. They know that they're supposed to be reading the word of God, right? So you telling them all the many things that they're doing wrong is not helping. And you telling them that they need to go do this or that because scripture says so is not helping. Paul literally demonstrates not only a challenge for them to even consider. Do you even know what scripture says about this? I'm going to go ahead and share it with you, which he does. But he literally leaves it there for them to think about. You know, if you sit there and challenge someone and say, you're in a conversation and you sit there and say, but what does the scriptures say? Right? What does the scripture say about this? And you just leave it there and you don't actually provide them with the scripture. You just leave it there. It's up to them, right? And it always has been up to them whether they 
choose to read the word of God and abide in it or they don't. It's not up to you. It's not your place to tell them what to do. It's not your place to open up the opportunity for the enemy, which is what giving people guilt trips looks like, allowing condemnation attacks to come in just by the choice of your words. You know, you know better than that. You should know better than that. Anything like that opens up the door to condemnation. But it says, it says for us to not give the devil even an opportunity. Be careful how we address things so that we do not give our brothers and sisters in Christ any type of stumbling block. Romans 14 talks about being careful as to how you eat with people. And it's using food as, as an example. But if one person believes that it's a sin to do something and then you're sitting here, you know, saying it doesn't matter one way or the other, yada, 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 I'm going to still do it. And you're not honoring and taking into consideration the one who believes it's a sin. You, by default, through your choices and your behaviors and your actions and your words and your behavior, like your overall character, are saying, I don't care about you and I don't care about your beliefs and I'm not honoring you. I'm dismissing you, right? It's the whole thing. But one of the access keys to the kingdom of God is honor, right? Peace is also one of those. And unity of the body is another. And so if you're doing something, your choices, your behavior, your thoughts, your words, the way you handle situations is causing division, strife, opening up the door for condemnation to come against these people when they're by themselves because of the words that you spoke, then you are out of alignment and you are not walking the path that God has for you. So be careful, leaders. Be careful, elders. Be careful, all who are walking with God so as to not cause others to stumble or to cause others to turn away from God. If you are the reason, your words are the reason that someone doesn't know God, you are not walking according to his will and his way. You are just not. So I encourage you to not do that. And if you are doing that, knock it off. There will be a judgment day and you will be held accountable for every careless word that you speak. As will I. So that was to me too. We'll just say that. But verse 30 says, but what does the scripture say? And then he gives it to them. And it says, cast out the bondwoman and her son for the son of the bondwoman shall not be an heir with the son of the free woman. And then he wraps it up and says, so then brethren, we are not children of a bondwoman, but of the free woman. So he gives them the information and he lays it before them. And he allows them the space to consider these things. He addresses gently. He confronts with kindness. He even commends them for the good things that they were doing. Their gratitude, their charitable behavior, their love toward him when they were walking right. Do you, when you address things, even with your children or your spouse or other co-workers or anything that comes up that you have to confront or address that's like definitely not okay, are you telling them everything that they did wrong? And that's it? Expecting some changed behavior out of telling them all the ways they screwed up and failed? Or are you telling them what they did right and acknowledging that they are doing well in those arenas first, second, 
anywhere in the conversation. Like this is to leaders too. Like it's not just coworkers, it's employees. How often do you invest the time to acknowledge the work that people are doing that is good quality effort of work and consistent and in right standing with policies and procedures that are established? Are you being an encouragement so that the good work continues? Paul was absent from this particular body and he was having to write, you know, as, as a, as an accountability really, but it was not within his parameters to be on site, you know, and that's how these like false teachers and false ways of doing things infiltrated the church. And so in his absence, these things happened and now he's trying to bring it back into alignment. Right. So when you are there all the time, though, like you're in an environment that you are responsible for all the time. You have no excuse not to encourage and exhort and build up and edify and equip and train and draw up people, you know, into that next level stage of where they're at, especially if you have like a whole team underneath you. Um, you, you have no excuse. Like if you're not, if you're a, a believer, you have no excuse. You have tons of excuses if you're walking in the ways of the world. You can have like a gazillion excuses. But as a child of God, you should be lighting up any atmosphere that you you have going on, right? And so there's a, an accountability to the word of God. Well, if you don't know the word of God, like we were saying at the beginning, how are you supposed to be accountable to it? And how are you supposed to walk so closely with God that his light shines through you in all that you do. How are you supposed to love others if you don't know the love of God for yourself? We learn by that relationship and we grow in that relationship by time. We invest time with the father and so the more and more that we do that, the more and more we align. And just as Paul is encouraging them to continue to go back to the scriptures to find out what it says for themselves, that's what we need to do as well so that we can continue to stay sharpened, stay on alert and stay aware and also stay accountable in the way that we talk, in the way that we act and even the things that we think upon. If you fill up your mind and your eyes and your ears, all gates, access gates here to your being, your soul, right? If you fill that up with things of this world, then the things that come out of your mouth will be of the world. They just will. But if you fill them up with things of the word, of light, of truth, of love, of all the many facets of the fruit of the spirit, if you fill them up and leave no room, no opportunity, leave no room for anything else, and you keep them filled up, then out of your mouth will come those things. And in turn, every environment that you operate in will be directly impacted by light, by truth, by everything that comes out of your mouth. What can that do for your environments? What can that do for your family, your home? What can that do for your work? If you stopped complaining about stuff and you started being grateful for things, which is a principle in the scriptures that you would find, that you would be held accountable to in your walk with God. If you're walking closely with him, Holy Spirit would sit there and say, hey, kid, mm -mm. what have I done for you lately? Right. What have you done for me lately? Mm -mm -mm. Mm -mm. Yeah. You know, that, that whole thing. That's what's going on. So 
sitting here drinking my Sonic cup. You guys were supposed to see that, but it's hot in here. I got to get out of this. I'm done challenging you, I think, as far as the book, scriptures, your inheritance. If you don't know what your rights are, if you don't know what belongs to you, you can't operate in them. And that goes for, for you teachers and for you leaders and stuff. If they don't know what belongs to them, and if they don't know what is theirs as the, this inheritance, then you cannot expect them to walk accordingly. You have the responsibility to equip, to train, to disciple, to mentor, to come alongside and lift up and encourage and exhort and admonish in love. But you first have to know that yourself so that you flow in it and you live and move and have your being in it. It is you and you are it. Jesus says that he is in the Father and the Father is in him. And here's the inheritance part. And he is in you. So what does that look like? To walk in unity with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Working together. Honoring the will of God. What does that look like? I'll leave you with Romans 12, 1 through 2. And that's just because it just came up while I was thinking about that last point there. So we're going to read it. And it's going to be put into put into the airwaves. Did you know that one of the founding scriptures that I have on all of my broadcasts is tied to what God told me to do was remind his people of his word. Remind them. But it's Isaiah 55. Anyways, it talks about the word going forth and accomplishing that which it was sent to do. And so God's word does. It doesn't return to him void. And here we go. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. And this is talking about, I encourage you to read all of Romans 12, and we'll probably do it on a broadcast. But uh, not right now, we're doing Galatians. Verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, I urge you. And it says, therefore. So read Romans 11 too. If you see a therefore, read before that. A little Bible study tip, right? But it says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, give mercy to others, right? As it has been given to you. By the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, and acceptable and perfect. So what does that in this very moment with the context of what we've been talking about today, what does that say to your heart? What does it say to your mind? What about your actions and your choices lately? I think that we all could benefit from meditating on this particular passage as a as an accountability passage as a self-accountability passage so i just encourage you to look that up and consider it and i will see you next time god loves you thank you for tuning in and make sure to tune into wbtcradio.com thank you for your time you guys thank you thank you 
Thank you so much for listening to this visit of the Declaring War segment by the RSVP Show. We hope these moments of reflection and stillness for victory in your pursuit of God were a blessing to you. We encourage you to continue to worship, apply, and read the Word of God every single day while today is still today. Stay connected with April at April D. Metzler through social media. New music singles and her debut music album are available to add to your favorite playlist on streaming platforms. And you can get a copy of her book wherever books are sold. Learn more about the great things she is doing to bless God and his people on her website at aprildmetzler.com. Thank you for joining this visit with us. Always remember, God loves you. Views made on the preceding program are not those of WVTC Radio, iNetworks Communications, or their financial supporters. Winning Victory Through Christ, WVTC, Allsip Chicago, and iNetworks Communications Station.